Welcome to the Bridging the Gap to Leadership podcast. My name is Louise and I'm a second year physiotherapy student at Canterbury Christchurch University and joining me here today is my student colleague Aria Jura. Hello everybody, my name is Aria Jura and I am a second year student at Canterbury Christchurch University and we are very delighted to introduce our guest speaker who is a practice educator in Kent joining us here today to discuss such an important topic. So we're going to be introducing Sarah. Hello Sarah. Hello, my name is Sarah. Um, I am a placement lead um, in an NHS trust in Kent. Um, I have been in my role for just about a year and I look after three different um, allied health professionals um, in terms of their placements. I'm also a physio by background and in my spare time I love supporting students um, and that's giving them tips or supporting them to get into physiotherapy and also whilst they are studying the course. So thank you for having me. So thank you. Welcome, Sarah. And a big thank you to you for joining us here today. And also a big thank you to you listeners making the time to listen to our podcast on the important topic of cultural communication differences and their impact on student placement experiences. So in order to give a little background to all you listeners, um, Louise and I will explain this project, its legacy and its beginning alongside the different aims of our specific project whilst on placement. So this leadership placement was established in 2020 and it is an ongoing collaboration between the University of Brighton and Canterbury Christchurch University. Um, we've, we have 40 students who have already been involved in this initiative so far. And our aim within this placement was to review the historic content and resources produced by those previous students on this placement and find an area which required more attention in terms of the negative experiences faced by Black, Asian, mixed heritage and ethnic minority students on the placements. Our review of the resources highlighted the areas of cultural communication differences as a key issue for students who are experiencing discrimination whilst in placement. So we have undertaken a literature review of the current research from 2017 to 2023, and we have gained an understanding of the lived experiences of Black, Asian and mixed heritage alongside ethnic minoritized students within the current evidence base. Our six-week placement project focuses on the cultural communication differences faced by Black, Asian, mixed heritage and ethnic minority students whilst on placement. We have chosen a podcast as a resource for practice educators because we've been listening to the different comments about the huge amount of resources practice educators have to walk their way through. So we felt a podcast is a more flexible way to engage with educational resource. And this podcast unpacks those experiences of the students and with the guidance of our practice educator, Sarah, who's joining his, us here today, um, allows us to look at solutions on how best to support Black, Asian, mixed heritage and ethnic minority students facing racial discrimination due to cultural communication differences on their practice placements. We are briefly going to be presenting a selection of those experiences from the literature to describe these scenarios that students are experiencing and the different ways in which they are currently managing and navigating those situations whilst in placement. We will then discuss effective solutions to those situations with our guest speaker Sarah as practice educator. 
The first example we have is a study by Ramafi et al. 2023, which explored the different experiences of nurses and midwifery students, where they all exp express that everyday discrimination towards Black, Asian and ethnic minoritized group is now an unwritten rule in interpersonal relationship that creates conditions for a pervasive sense of non-belonging on placement, where one of the nursing participants stated that they observed how staff members constantly corrected their Indian accent, but did not pick up on the white students with regional accents. So looking at this example of experiencing correction of accent as an Asian student and looking at the current evidence base, we can see a clear example of avoidance behaviour in the literature showing that students' coping mechanisms involve code switching, adapting their behaviours, i.e. the way that they would normally speak, to speaking in a way that fits in with or assimilates into their practice environment, meaning that the student can't be accepted for their own cultural persona. A Swedish study by Christofferson and Hamburg in 2022 described the adaptation strategies adopted by students to try to avoid discriminatory behaviours and suggests that as long as racialized minority students stand alone, it is difficult for them to act in any other way. It goes on to say that the current anti-racist policies and routines for handling discrimination are insufficient as does a scope and review by Montezem et al. 2023, where it states the lack of understanding of the challenges minority students face, inaccessible, ineffective and burdensome reporting systems and lack of trust in institutions were highlighted in both studies by Broad et al. 2018 and Morrison et al. 2019 within this scoping review. So Sarah, could you please discuss what the impact is here for students regarding their well-being and mental health? Lovely. Um, thank you. Um, so I think the impact is quite um, it's clearly isolating and undermining, as you obviously previously said in um, with the um, studies that you've mentioned. But it can come quite tasking to learn and flourish in an environment that seems very adamant that your discipline and your own natural aspects of you, such as your accent, is not in like welcomed or invited. Um, I think if you think about it and if you think about the profession we're in, um, we use our voice to communicate um, and the job of the role of a physio is almost to be as effective communicator as possible. But if your team continue undermines your communication skills um, on the basis of your accent, it can be very demoralizing. Um, I feel like it starts to, um, you feel different in an accent and it can hindrance um, students' performances as much as um, they might not realize, but it might do. And again, the level of um, exaggeration is all rooted in racism. Um, I think when you're a student as well, you generally overthink everything. And I've been a student, you guys are students, you just overthink everything when you're in a new area. So adding this on top of that, it can be very demanding and quite um, just for like extra pressure that you really didn't need. Um, and even when you think of um, different ways of adapting, it's just hard to see yourself in that environment and feel like you're going to be working to your best, um, to your best if, if you feel like you're just not fitting in the team. Uh, thank you for your input here, Sarah. So what we're hearing here is that the impact from a student's perspective is going to be huge in the sense of affecting that student's emotional well-being and in terms of that personal acceptance and an even sense of identity, which 
feels like it's going to be undermined. Um, so having to fit in and change your own personality is, as you quite rightly say, really demoralising for the students. Absolutely. Um, I think the points that both of you make, made are very important. Um, so Sarah, leading on from that experience, what impacts does this have on the students from a performance perspective and the current coping strategies adopted by these students? Um, I think speaking for myself um, as um, a black woman who was also a student before, I think your performance becomes inconsistent um, and then you just become less engaged and less passionate about their work. And that can be something that as um, um, practice educators, we need to be aware of because we are training the next workforce and we want them to come in passionate about the, the role they're doing. But also I think students then develop an in and out mentality where when they're on placements, they just basically um, fulfill the task that they need to almost like a tick box activity and they leave with the environment and that's basically they've done your job, that's fine. Um, mm. But also if they don't feel like a sense of belonging and again, we're building the next workforce, how are they going then going to come back into that trust environment and then to work effectively with their teammates um, but I think in general if you are disinterested if you are having an in and out a mentality then overall you are not giving your best and then you're probably not going to be efficient um, and all the skills that you are learning might not be um, to your best ability so I think ultimately um, they start to hate the profession and if you think about it we then might lose them going going down um, a few years later rather than them actually enjoying the area they're in what do you guys think no I absolutely agree with you Sarah you know like when students face these difficulties on placement it kind of creates a sense of withdrawal and um, a lack of inclusion and obviously this kind of like has a direct impact on the attainment levels of that they have in placement. So I absolutely understand what you're saying. And I think it's so true. Um, so thank you for that. And um, we're going to go straight to the next question. So bearing those things in mind, everything we've been talking about, what are the solutions to ensuring this type of experience is eradicated from our practice environment? Um, I think that there's not one way of like eradicating it. And I think it's just an, an ongoing process that we all need to be aware about. Um, as um, practice educators. But I think the first thing that we need to start with is education for educators and an ongoing thing and also an initial training when they become educators. Um, and that just means that being aware of how we communicate with students, how we make them feel welcome and also belonging in the areas that they're in. Um, but also making sure that the students, when they first start, they know their channels of support. So is it that is their peer groups that they need to meet with and have those discussions with? Do they have a centralised person outside of the educators that they can go to and talk to? Um, do they also have like their link tutors at the university that they can speak to? Um, and then outside of that, so obviously you don't want to put all the onus is on the students, but also from a trust point of view, we need to look at making sure that we have our whistleblowing policy and our discrimination policy very robust and also so that the students know where they are and how to access them and how to implement them um, as soon as they need to. Um, and one last thing that I think is really important uh, going back to the peer is for students to join certain groups um, that can help them um, kind of develop 
better skills and how to negotiate themselves in practice environment. So I'm part of a club called um, Cultural Health Club and also another one called African Caribbean and Physiotherapy Network, which for a black um, student really helped me to kind of build those nicks, um, those networks and also um, an area where I can speak and get support outside of my university and where I was working as a, as a student. Mm. Well, thank you, Sarah, for that. Um, it's good to have those signposts to those groups that you're you're suggesting there. Um, and it's it's nice to have it highlighted that there's these avenues for the students to actually go go down um, and understand where they can go to seek help um, and to join groups for more inclusivity. And also, secondly, to confirm the policies and procedures in place from a practice educator's point of view um, and to acknowledge further training and understanding for practice educators is an ongoing requirement. So from your perspective, Sarah, how do you further support a student facing these experiences? Um, I think, first of all, um, I would say you need to, as an educator, um, obviously making sure that they have the channels of support. So if a student wants to come to me, I think it's first of all affirming those experiences and that goes a very big way of supporting students. I think sometimes with um, Black, um, Asian and ethnic minority um, students, they might feel like their experiences are not um, negated or they're trivialised or sometimes even normalised. So it's very important for students to know that you hear them, you believe them and you and that they trust in you and that you have an understanding of the story that they've narrated to you. And yeah. um, I also think once you've affirmed that, you then need to think about the best ways going forward. So is it that the student wants to have um, a support system with the university or is there an investigation that needs to go forward? Or is it that you then highlight things that needs to be learned from the area they're in and then implement training or um, making sure that these things don't happen again but I think whatever plan goes on forwards from there because again these are it could be anything couldn't it so it's making sure that the student is aware of the plans going forwards and they're happy with those plans going forwards and if necessary signposting them to the right places like counselling and even their university but making sure that they're happy with those so some students might just want to talk about a situation have a plan between you and them and that's absolutely fine some might want to take it a little bit differently so making sure that they're happy um I think after that as well as then setting up like like regular meetings and catch-ups and again going back to the channels of support making sure that they're utilizing that and looking after their mental health because all these things can be very demanding on your own mental health and being on placement is one thing but I think looking after your mental health in general is really really important um and then I think with that I will just make sure that they are definitely affirmed and finding ways to limit or re reduce those kind of experiences as much as possible um but yeah that is such a great summation, Sarah. Um, I personally think that these kind of make students realise that practice educators are there to support them, as well as encouraging and assisting with these experiences that they have on placement. So that, that that's really good. So the final question we've got for you, Sarah, is um, what resources and solutions are currently available to you to facilitate a more positive placement environment for your students of Black, Asian, mixed heritage and ethnic minoritized students on placement? Um, so yeah, this question made me, it just made me think a lot. 
Um, I think in general, we have resources in the areas that I work in to support a positive experience. And so that goes to things like um, something we do in my trust called peer facilitator. Um, so you meet with the students in a, in a group setting and you kind of discuss what's going well, what's not going so well. But also as the peer facilitator, they can meet with me and discuss any kind of issues they have. Um, we also have things like placement links um, and again we do something called like um, the initial conversation of where the policies are and the support they can go to. Um, another thing that we have in place is something we call a placement pre-booklet so we kind of send that to all students to get a good understanding what they're, um, of what they've had done before and what they're like and just their personality. Um, but I think all these things are great resources we have but necessarily don't look at a positive placement environment for Black, Asian, mixed heritage and ethnic minority groups. So it's something that I am starting to look at and implement more. And again, going to like the Bridging the Gap um, Leadership Conference really opened my eyes to this to make sure that we have things in our inductions from the get go um, to um, allow for positive experiences. Um, another thing I just need to think about is making sure that in general, wherever students come in from, that we have an open and approachable policy where students feel comfortable to be able to discuss these things with us because there might be going on, but if they're not saying it, you're not going to know. And so gaining feedback is one of the biggest things that we do here as well in my trust. Um, and we're at the end of the placement, we ensure that it's anonymous. Students can go away and do that on their own time. And we tell them to be very constructive about the feedback they give us. And so these are things that um, I think are resources and solutions. But going back to um, the Bridging the Gap there, and I think that's a great resource that we have on their websites to use that and kind of use that in a trust basis, not just for like allied health professions. Um, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that, um, Sarah. It's, um, there's quite a lot of resource that obviously in place currently, but there's obviously scope for um, additional resources there and the Bridging the Gap to Leadership um, is, is a perfect place to do that. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for listening today. Um, and a big thank you to Sarah for joining us and bringing a greater awareness of the solutions to the cultural communication differences in placement. We appreciate your listeners and thank you so much, Sarah, for being here today. Please join us on our next podcast, which is going to be the part two, where we continue, we are continuing our journey to breaking down these cultural communication differences with more insights from our practice educator, Sarah. Lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.